0: Amen. Good morning, Calvary family. How we doing? All right, y'all can do better than that. Good morning, Calvary family. How we doing? Hey, so uh, last service, I didn't say this. I felt it was important to say this. This service, uh, how many of y'all are thankful for the youth here leading us this morning? I mean, I saw somebody post, uh, they posted like two weeks ago, and I get the sentiment of what he was saying. But he was basically saying something along the lines of this. If this is the, the church of the future talking about young people, then he's pleased that it's within their hands. Well, I'll tell you, I get what he was saying, but how many of you know that is not the church of the future, that's the church of today? Right? They're called to lead today. They're called to live their lives to glorify God and lead others to God today. So give it up one more time for the youth. Thank you for leading us so well this morning. Amazing, amazing job. Uh, So I'm excited to be here. My family's excited to be here. Uh, Man, we, we love your guys' heart. We love your pastors, our pastors. Come on, give it up for our pastors. Come on. Come on, give it up for our pastors now. And, and the heart of this church, to love God, love people, and change the world. I mean, if that isn't the heartbeat of God, I don't really know what is. So, again, pastors, we thank you. We love you guys and appreciate you, your leadership. So, uh, I said that I wasn't going to hold the microphone at the bottom of this service, and I just did it. Uh, so, give me grace. Anyway, where's all my dads at? Y'all thankful for your dads? Amen? Wave at me. Come on. Love your dads. We love our dads. Something supernatural takes place when you have a child. You have an anointing as a dad over your life of the spiritual gift of dad jokes. Amen? Amen? It just, it just like, happens. When I had my first kid, it was, like, all of a sudden I had this, like, spiritual deposit, which hit me, and it was, like, go time. Amen? But part of my wife and I being really anxious to get to meet you guys, so I'm gonna withhold all of my dad jokes for you. If you want a dad joke, you have to come after service and meet my family. We're gonna be over here or somewhere around here, and then I will give you a dad joke. Okay? So come, come see us. We want to meet you guys. We want to know you guys. Uh, Anyway, we're we're in this series week three now of reaching the one. I think like there's not a more appropriate topic that we could be talking about on a Father's Day than reaching the one. Isn't that the heart of the Father? We, we just sang it. Uh, that his children, his creation would be reconciled and in relationship with him because every dad wants a relationship with their kid, right? Right? And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. So as we celebrate, uh, I think it's just so appropriate that we get to talk to this, uh, this topic, this idea, and really not just this topic, this idea, but this lifestyle of reaching the one. Because how many you know it's a lifestyle? It's not just something that we do, right? We, we live this thing. Uh, and so I am pumped. I'm obviously passionate, you can tell, uh, about this subject, you know, Uh, I'm thankful that somebody in my life came to me and gave me the opportunity to, one, hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and two, accept it. Amen? Are you guys excited that somebody gave you that opportunity today? And and maybe you're here today and you've never gotten that opportunity. Uh, Maybe you're here just because your dad brought you to church because it's Father's Day and you'd rather be, I don't know, like shooting something or blowing something up because that's what dads do, right? Uh, One, thank you appreciate that. Uh, So you're going to have that opportunity today. We're going to really lay some things out, but um, y'all ready to get into this thing? You know, there was a time in my life where I was like 70 pounds lighter where I had somebody give me the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're gonna be like, "Why was he 70 pounds lighter? Like, wouldn't it be? How many wants to be 70 pounds lighter, right? It was not a healthy 70 pounds, right? So, I, I my life wasn't the way it was. I kind of looked a little bit different than I do now. I kind of looked something like this. I think there's a picture of it, uh, here and and there. That's who I was uh, before. Somebody came and gave me the opportunity to know Jesus and, and I was preaching at a church in Boston an old seasoned saint I like to call her was sitting over here somewhere She leaned over and was like that looks like a mugshot to her friend. I was like yes, lady. You are very intuitive. That's what that is How many of you know I wasn't always saved amen? How many of you know y'all weren't always saved either so don't get to judging me? Right so Man, there was a time in my life where I wasn't on a stage preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, where I wasn't in the marketplace and in the gas stations preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life, actually, like a couple months after that picture was taken, uh, I had a failed suicide attempt. I was about seven years into a heroin addiction. Uh, My life was completely out of control. I had lost all hope that anything in my life could change. So I just decided if I'm going to die a drug addict, I will die on my terms. You ever try to live life on your terms? how'd that go for you? About as good as it went for me, right? Because you weren't created to do life on your own, on your own terms. Anyway, long story short, there was a man who came into my life by the name of Nick. Nick was a man and is a man who is devoted to reaching the one. It wasn't something that he did, but it was who he was. And I met Nick in a detox center. It was my fifth time in this same detox center in Fort Myers, Florida. And he began to tell me about this man named Jesus. Come on, this man named Jesus had the power to save me, he said. I didn't even know I needed saving, but I knew I needed something to change. He told me he had the power to set me free and to change my life. And at this time, I didn't believe in God, but, like, it sounded good. And looking back, I realized that in... His sharing, a little bit of hope began to rise in my heart, like maybe I can get my acts together. Maybe my life can turn around a little bit, and about a week and a half later, something like that, I end up in a church service on a Tuesday night. I was sitting somewhere over here, I would have been, and uh, Nick is in that church service with me, and while I'm at that church service, I have no other way to put it than this. The presence of God touched me and changed me instantly. How I many know when you have a, a true authentic power with the power and the presence of God, things begin to change? That was more than eight years ago, and I've been clean, sober. I don't even count the days any longer, but I've been clean, sober, not a single drug or drink. But guess what? That doesn't happen if Nick doesn't live his life as one who is purposed to reach the one. And that's why I'm so passionate about this topic today. There's people in your lives that you encounter, maybe you don't have, Nick didn't have a relationship with me. But there's also people in our lives that we do have relationships that need that same encounter with Jesus that I had. And that's why I love this topic so much. Amen? So, turn with me in your paper Bibles. Wave them at me. Turn with me in your paper Bibles, Acts Chapter 17. Uh, Again, we are in our third week of our messages here on reaching the one. If you haven't been keeping up with it, uh, you gotta go back and watch the first two messages. Pastor Benny preached two amazing messages on reaching the one. So those of you who are taking notes, write that down. Reach the one, part one, part two, go watch them. Uh, Those of you who are taking notes, you're going to heaven. We know that. Um, you know, I say that jokingly all the time, but how many of you know if I were to go fishing and I showed up without a fishing pole, you would think I was a little ridiculous, right? You'd think I was ridiculous, right? Or you would think that I didn't expect to catch fish that day. And so if you're taking notes, what I deduct is that you're expecting to hear from God today. Amen? With love. Woo, sorry, Pastor. <clears throat> Acts 17, here we go. Little background information here about Acts 17. Acts chapter 16 comes before that. Uh, in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul, him and some ministry workers, are doing what they do. They're going after the one. They're reaching the one. They're sharing and preaching the good news about Jesus Christ in religious settings, in the streets, in wherever God had them. This is what they were doing. And so they're there in a city called Thessalonica. And why they are there, uh, some people are receptive of the message, but a lot of religious people do not like what they're talking about. And so the religious people kind of band together and like, let's get those jokers. And so then they go... And they get this mob to try and arrest them. And uh, the Apostle Paul and his squad, they kind of move on to the next city, which is Berea. So now they're in a city called Berea, which they are way more receptive of the gospel than Thessalonica. But the religious people there found out that that's where they were at. And so once again, they're like, let's go get them down there. And so the Apostle Paul is shipped off once again to another city, a city called Athens. And at this time, he goes forward ahead of himself. So this is where we'll pick it up. uh, Verse 16. And let me say this quickly about the, uh, the city of Athens. The city of Athens was a city uh, which really pushed a culture. It was a city that was really known for its government. It was known for its arts and its like, schools of thought, its education, its philosophy, all of these things. It was really a city much like the cities that we live in, the cities that we work in, Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, Frederick, all these cities really have a, a culture and they set a culture for our nation. And so... We're kind of in a similar spot to where the Apostle Paul is here, and so I want to, uh, as we're we're talking about this, I want to look at three things throughout this text here that is absolutely vital if you and I are going to be successful at reaching the one in our context. The first one is this. You got to have the right heart, right? How many know you can be 1,000% right, but equally as wrong at the same time? That's why it talks about speaking the truth in love. So if you're, if you're speaking the truth, you have the right message, but you're doing it from a place of hate or a or, or wrong heart. And how many of you know people that think differently than us are not our enemies? You know that, right? We have one enemy, right? So anyway, that's free. You can write that one down too. Second one is this, the right message. The Bible says that it's the truth that sets you free and it's the gospel which is the power to save sinners. So any truth that is not the the truth of God, which is revealed in his word, doesn't have the power to set somebody free. And any gospel, which does not align with the truth of the word of God, doesn't have the power to, to save anyone. Right? The Bible said the gospel is the power to save sinners. So you've got to have the right message, number two. And then finally, number three is the right spirit. I think so many times we as believers can be timid and shy. And uh, I'm not saying that you've got to be somebody that you're not. But what I am saying is that God will give you the right spirit of boldness and confidence to be his witness because he promised you that. Right? So he's going to give us those three things today. The right heart, the right message, and the right spirit. Verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them, his ministry partners, uh, in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. Everybody say, happened. Happened. To be there. It's important. We're going to come back to that. So, Apostle Paul is in this city of Athens, a city that pushes a culture, pretty influential city, and while he's in this city, he sees a ton of, like, idolatry, a ton of idol worship. Now, you and I probably don't see very many statues, though there are some, right, of people that are worshiping these things, but what we do see is a lot of, like, New Testament form of idolatry, right? Anything that takes the place of God in our lives can be defined as an idol, whether it's good things even like relationships and money and and all this stuff could take the place of God. And so the Apostle Paul is walking through a city much like ours, right, that is riddled with idols. And something happens to his heart while he's there. The Bible says this. It says that he got greatly distressed to see it was full of idols, and that's the first heart that you and I have to have. The first message, the right heart, is that we have to have a heart that is distressed about the, the, the stuff that's going on in our world, right? And not even just the stuff that's going on in our world, but more about the, the relationships of people and God, right? More about the, the eternal state of humanity than the temporal state of humanity, right? Because all of these idols, it just pointed to the fact that they were created to be in worship and fellowship with a God who was greater than themselves, Amen? So the first thing that we see here is that you and I have to begin to have a heart that is troubled that people are dying and don't know Jesus. When they were created to live their whole lives in worship and service to him and in fellowship to him. And I think it's an important thing that we have to say here because he goes on to say it was distressed so he reasoned. In other words, it was a cause and effect. It was because he was distressed by it, then he began to open his mouth and speak about things. And now, if you look at this for us, you and I, uh, it's easy to see what we're distressed about because those are the things that we'll complain about. Right? Like, how many know we don't like paying over $5 a gallon for gas? And how many know you have opened your mouth about that? Have you opened your mouth this week about somebody dying and not knowing Jesus? right? So, so the right heart is to say, no, people don't know Jesus. People were created to be with him. I mean, it troubles me to know that people were created in the image of God, but then serve themselves and worship themselves. It, it, it troubles me to know that people were gifted by God, and they use that only to fulfill their own destinies, what they feel like they have created for themselves. And this is a heart that I believe that God wants to help us with. And I think we can do that, number one, by remembering what life was like before we knew Jesus, Come on, when I remember back to that picture and think about where my life was, it really reminds me how troubled my heart is when I see people who don't know the truth of Jesus Christ. And then I can begin to live my life troubled. It's a cause and effect. Troubled, so I open my mouth. You get troubled about the right things, you'll talk about the right things. You hear me? You get troubled about the right things, you'll talk about the right things. Going on, verse 18, it says, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So the first part was have the right heart, which is one troubled by humanity. The second one is this, what is the right message? The right message is the good news about Jesus Christ. That is our message, and it's interesting here. remember it 's a city much like ours. It says that there's uh, Epicureans and Stoics. so basically what these people were were two different groups of thought. One of these groups would be like modern day atheists. Another one of these groups would be like modern day like pantheists. so basically they believed God was in the trees, God was in the earth, God was in the rock, God was in you, God was in me, right? So we have all these different schools of thought in our own lives, in our own workplaces right, and the culture that's being pushed, not by God, but by uh, culture today in our cities is a culture of pluralism, which means your religion is right for you, and it's true. Your religion is right for you, and it's true. And whatever is cool for you is cool for you. Right? We've all heard this, right? Speak your own truth. That's the biggest lie from the pit of hell. You don't have truth. Jesus has truth. Amen? I know that's very direct but it's where we're living, right? So the Apostle Paul is in this city. There's all this ideology going. There's all these different schools of thought, and somehow he was able to fulfill the call of God on his life, which was to reach the ones. So how did he do it? He had the right heart, and now he had the right message. Here's his message. The good news of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to come up here and share it, so answer honestly. How many of you would say you are confident that you can clearly articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ? Wave at me. Good. That was better than the first service. Maybe you guys are just more awake than first service. Uh, Anyway, how many of you believe that after our time together you'll be able to do it? Because you're all taking notes and you can go back and practice it. Amen? There we go. All right, so here's the right message. The good news. Let me jump down for the sake of time here. It says, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heaven and the earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands unless he needs anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the times set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, everybody I say in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his own offspring. So, the first part of the good news is this. He says it right here. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heaven and earth. So, God created everything you see. Right? This is the first part of the gospel. God created you. He created me because we're in the world, right? And every person you encounter, even the ones that you don't like. You know, my my brother always says this. You know you can't choose your neighbor? Just saying. Even the ones you don't like, God created them. So, God... God's design, right? And it wasn't just God's design. I also don't have really great handwriting. Have you noticed yet? It wasn't just God's design in Genesis chapter 1. If you want to look where this all happened is Genesis chapter 1. He created everything, including man, and God said it was good. He didn't make any mistakes. He made you exactly who he created you to be. Your eyes are set just where they got to be. Your skin tone is the right exact color. Everything is perfect about you because God don't make junk, right? He's perfect. So it's God's perfect design. I like, I add that. I know it's not really a part of it, but that's my thing. So that's the first part of the gospel, God's perfect design. And he did that, the Bible says right here, verse 28, for to be in him, right? Genesis chapter one, when he creates man, man is in relationship with him, he's in fellowship with him. So God created you, he created me, to be in fellowship with him. It says you live and you move and you have your being in him. None of those things without him are true the way that God has designed them for our lives. So then he goes on to say verse 29, Therefore since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So I'm going to help fill us in a little bit. Uh, The Apostle Paul, this is not a word-for-word, like, transcription of what the Apostle Paul said. I know that because it's a really short passage, and the Apostle Paul is the only man in human history to preach a sermon so long that it killed somebody. Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. All right, if you don't know what I'm talking about, write that down and go look it up. It happened. Uh, But by God's grace, you know, it ended up good for him. Anyway, so he says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance so these men were and women began to make up this god who they thought he was and we see a lot of that today right like you'll see the whole concept of god is just god and he's a god he's all all grace and there's no judgment from god that's a god that we've made up guys that's not who he presents himself to be in the word and so anything contrary to god's perfect design for our lives is sin Right? It's sin. If God has purposed you and ordained you to live a certain way, which he's revealed to you here, right, it's called sin. So he says he causes them to repent from such ignorance. So sin uh, is just the simplest way of doing anything outside of God's perfect design for your life. And you and I know when sin happens in lives and in, in, in the world, things begin to break, right? There's, there's brokenness all around us. Because of what? Sin, right? People always ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, because sin leads to brokenness. It's very easy to look around our world to say t- today and see all the broken state of humanity, right? That's where my heart begins to be distressed, so I reason or open my mouth. Amen? And that's the right heart, which we talked about. So anyway, he says, God's perfect design for your life, it leads to brokenness and sin. then he goes on to say... Uh, now he commands this is verse thirty all people everywhere to repent all right now repentance is just a word that means if i 'm going this way, well, let me do it this way, this might help you. you might get a laugh out of this one if you 're going this way so you 've got a man who 's running this way, like this, away from god that 's a really long arm Have you guys seen, anybody seen a long arm that long before? He's going that way, away from God. What does he got to do? He's got to come back, right? So repentance just looks like somebody, I'm not going to do this well either. That's not too bad. Turning away from sin and brokenness back to God. But the issue with that is none of us are good enough to get back to God. Right? Right? No, no, we've all tried to stop sinning. We've all tried to stop doing things that lead to brokenness, but we've all found we come up empty, right? That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So let's go forward. How do we get back to God and God's perfect design for life? He says this, For he has set a day when, this is verse 31, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed him. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So we're supposed to turn from sin and turn to some man whose name is? All right? We know it's Jesus that he's talking about here because it says he has raised him from the dead. So we're supposed to turn from our sin and our brokenness to Jesus. You could just put the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, whatever that is. And part of that he says here is that what? He raised him from the dead, right? So we have a man named Jesus who was raised from the dead, and my question to you is, to be raised from the dead, you have to first die. And how did Jesus die? On the cross. We, We just sang about it. And to die, you have to first live. Come on, you're with me now. It's not a trick question. You have to first live. And then it goes on to say here that he set a day for this man to judge the world with justice. So the only person that can judge the world is someone who's perfect or God himself, so that's why we call Jesus the Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God created everything in this world. You and I colluded, uh, included, not colluded, included, well, um, anyway, you and I included, right? He set a perfect design for all of our lives, but Each and every one of us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can all admit that we've done things outside of God's design for our life. We've created lives for ourselves which God never created us to walk or to live in. And what that did was lead to brokenness. And whenever we get to places of brokenness, we look for ways out of it. Like relationships, which never really lead anywhere because a man can't save you unless his name is Jesus or a woman can't save you unless his name is Jesus, right? We look to getting a bigger bank account, but how you know money is, comes to, goes as fast as it comes, amen? Well, we look to politics, but we know them jokers ain't got the answer, right? So there's only one man that can get us back to answer. That's why he says, repent and turn to Jesus. That's where this, all this idolatry came. Remember the New Testament form of idolatry? Anything that takes the place of God, those things don't lead anywhere. But repenting, turning your life over to Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of earth, who is fully God, who is fully man, who gave up all divinity, came down, was born of a virgin, died on the cross. After three days, he rose from the grave because he stayed dead, because he had to overcome sin, death, and the grave, which he did by raising. And now you can recover God's perfect design for your life. That's... The message, if you have to have a right message, that's the one that will save a sinner. That's the message that we all have. And I think it's so important. I mean, this, this thing right here, y'all, this thing right here. And I'm going to do something. It's a little unorthodox, probably probably for us. But I think it's a good thing to do right now. If you could all just stand with me right now. I think this is an important moment. While we're singing that song, uh, How He Loves Us, my daughter, she like looks at me, and she's like, Daddy, I'm, I'm looking at the cross. So as soon as he said how he loves us, she says, Daddy, I'm looking at the cross. And I say, why? She says, because the cross tells me that Jesus loves me, and Jesus forgives me. Come on. Jesus loves me, and Jesus forgives me. This is the aspect right here that we're putting our focus on right now. And I I started out by saying, you know, aren't we grateful that somebody gave us an opportunity to accept Jesus? Well, today is your opportunity to accept Jesus if you've never done that. This is one of the clearer presentations of the gospel that you'll receive today. I'm sure when Pastor Sean preaches next week, it's gonna be clearer than this because he's smarter than me. But today is your day, my Bible says. And so let me recap it for you really quickly. God created you. He loves you. He knows you. Every single thing about you, he served you. He he did it perfectly. Perfectly. God don't make junk. We junk what he makes at times. Amen. And you and I have missed the mark. That's what the Bible calls sin, right? We've missed the mark of God's perfect design for our life. We've lived our lives trying to fix the brokenness. You know, The greatest area of brokenness that sin brought was your relationship with God. Because you were created to be in him, our Bible says, right? But when you sin, separation comes in. There's something that that bridges that gap, and his name is Jesus. So the Bible says, if you turn from your sin, repent, confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. And I think that today is a good day to do that on Father's Day. So I don't know where all of you are in your relationship. I pretty much only know about 10 of you in this room, which is a good thing for now. uh, But uh, I do know this. God purposed you, and he's calling you today. You don't have to fight for the attention of God. You don't have to earn it. It's already been won for you. Ephesians 2 tells us it's by grace through faith that we've been saved. You can't earn the cross of Jesus Christ. You'll never be good enough. And Ephesians 1 told us that he died before we were even born. In Revelation, he was slain before the foundations were. So before you even made a bad mistake, he chose to die for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. You can't earn it, but you can receive it. Come on, the greatest gift you could receive today is that gift of of salvation. So we all bow our heads and close our eyes. Man, if if you know that you're not living for Jesus, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel and maybe understood the gospel. Maybe you've been in church many, many years but never really understood the gospel. Or maybe you're in a place today where you're looking to all of these things, identities that you've made up for yourself or trying to work uh, for salvation, trying to do all these other things that never lead to wholeness. The answer today is to turn your life to Jesus. Give Jesus a try, right? So if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I want you to just lift your hand and look at me today. This is the gospel. This is what today is all about. Thank you, keep your hand high. Thank you. Come on, thank you, I see it, I see it. Come on, I'll give it a couple more seconds here. Yes, I see it, come on, lift it higher, come on. I love it, thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Come on, as a family, Let's say this. Say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so I could be saved from the punishment of sin. I understand I've done things my way, and I ask for your forgiveness. Help me to now live for you, to love you, and to serve you. From this day forward, I believe that you are the Lord. And that I am saved now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that. Many hands were up. Look, if you just, if you just lifted your hands and responded to that, There's people in the back who are going to give you one of these. I need you to stop by and see them. Just let them know that you made a decision. You can fill out a card. The next step, we've already talked about it, is water baptism. But get one of these books. It'll help you get connected. It'll tell you how to read your Bible. And all these things that now you need to begin to walk in. Amen? Come on, one more time for those who responded. Come on. And we're almost done here. Give Give me just a couple more minutes, and then we're going to wrap up. So, that's the right heart, one that's disturbed by the eternal state of humanity. The right message is here, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And then finally, it's the right spirit, right? So if we are going to reach the one now that each and every one of us are saved and set on mission, we gotta have the right spirit. Do you know look what looks really good on in an Instagram bio? For he has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity. Looks really good in Instagram bio. How many of that applies to sharing your faith too? It looks a lot better when you live it, do you hear me? The truth of the gospel always looks good wherever you look at it, but it looks a lot better when it's on your life. So, so many times we'll, we'll use these, these verses, but how many of you know this applies to reaching the one? God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. He's given you faith Sound mind, boldness, that's what He's promised to you. And I'm going to help us today get that confidence aspect. And then the, the Word of God is going to help us with that. And then His Spirit is going to give you the boldness as we respond to Him in this moment. Amen? Let me ask you a question to help you with this confidence thing. Have you ever turned the lights on by just speaking without the help of Alexa or Google Home or Apple Home or something? I know y'all think you're slick. I'm, I'm, I work with youth. I get y'all. No! You, you haven't. It was God who said, let there be light and light shone. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, let me just flip there because I can't find it in my notes. Says this, verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. In other words, he, he, the right message, Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Christ. It wasn't that man, Nick, who made the glory of the gospel shine in my heart. It was the spirit of God who did that. Nick was just a servant of the most high God and allowed the spirit of God to illuminate the gospel. So the only way that you and I fail in reaching the one and sharing our faith is if we stay silent. If we let fear creep up behind us and be like, oh, I can't say this because it does not allow it at my workplace. And I'm not saying, go get yourself fired. But what I am saying, if the spirit of God prompts you, trust him. Trust him to take care of you. Trust him. Trust him. Come on. God wants to give you a spirit of confidence today. And I, th- very, very final last point, I promise you. Acts 17, we start out by saying who happened to be there. Back to the story in Athens, right? Who happened to be there how many of you know nobody just happens to be anywhere if we believe we serve a sovereign God everybody is somewhere on purpose verse 26 down the rest of his dissertation here it says from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So the Bible says just who happened to be there. Can I tell you this? Every single person that you encounter, God has placed in your life. Every single person you encounter is a God-ordained appointment. You have to believe that, otherwise you don't believe the word of God. Let me illustrate this a bit further. Friday, I was in the Wawa gas station. And I was standing there watching my friend eat a sandwich, which I think are gross, by the way. Not that you care. Um he's sitting there eating a sandwich and these two uh, Mormon missionaries come in and it was just like that morning I was studying this text and I was understanding that every people I encounter is a God-ordained encounter right God set the boundaries the word says here of where people will live and the times that they will live so these missionaries are there these Mormon missionaries I get to talking with them we're talking about random things like like doing wheelies on dirt bikes and like just random stuff right And so we start exchanging texts later that day. I got their information and uh, we're exchanging texts later and I invited them to come to church and they were like, oh, can you send me the address? Because you might not know this, but the LDS church, the Latter-day Saints church, says where missionaries can go. They have a boundary was the word that they use. So in other words, God in his sovereignty put these missionaries in my boundary, y'all. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's not just by happenstance that those young men came to me in my boundary right down the street from my house, and they can't leave my little six-mile radius. Like, they're stuck with me, y'all. Do you think that's a sovereignty of God thing, or do you think that's a church of Latter-day Saints thing? I think it's a sovereignty of God thing. And that should give you confidence to say, if you just step out, open your mouth, understand that God is the one who brings the results. You just plant and water and plant and water and plant and water, plant and water. Come on, you're going to see God do amazing, amazing, amazing things. Come on, we're wrapping now. If I could have the prayer team come, if I could have the prayer team come, we're, we're wrapping up now. You know, I was thinking about the whole idea of, of, uh, of reaching, of reaching the, the one, right? And you know, if my handkerchief is down here, I have to put some action behind reaching it, right? Like I have to actually bend over and and reach it. You got, you got to do something. You can't reach the one without doing something. And so I'm going to challenge you right now to do something. I'm going to challenge you to this. The Bible says that he will give you... Power to be His witness When the Holy Spirit comes upon you He'll give you power to be His witness Power to reach the one When you don't know what to say The Spirit of God will give you the words to say These are the promises of God for your life And so my challenge for you in reaching the one now Is to get out of your seat And come receive some prayer To receive that power This team is here to pray with you And I believe that the Spirit of God Wants to empower you To put some action behind your words But the first step of action is to, to get out of your seats And come receive some prayer Let me pray for you. Father, we're available. We're available. We're available, God. By your spirit, God, we ask that you would empower us, God. By your spirit, we ask that you encourage us. By your spirit, oh God, would you now move and set up God-ordained appointments, even today. We don't want to wait till tomorrow. We want today, as we are there, and people are serving our dinners for Father's Day, or our lunches for Father's Day. You gave us that specific server. So I pray that the giftings of God would begin to flow in each and every person in this room right now. God, I pray that words of knowledge would come for those around them. Not so we can say, look how cool I am, but no, so that they would know how great you are, God. I pray it now in the name of Jesus. If you are available for God and want to be used by God, take your first action step and come receive prayer. Now, go. One, two, three, go.